0: Hello, everyone. I'm Ellis Traub, and this is Money, Business, and More. In the last three quarters of the 20th century, the American economy had a business cycle about every five years, and those who invested in that economy learned to expect just such an event. However, in recent years, for a variety of reasons, the economy has not displayed that customary, somewhat predictable pattern. Contributing to this aberration has been the overactivity of the Federal Reserve, the unusual persistence of a progressive political domination of the governance of our country, and the increased social engineering that's provided for reductions in requirements for lending, and a collateral irresponsibility of our government when it comes to our national debt. In 2008, these and other elements of a perfect storm converged to produce a near-collapse that came close to rivaling the Great Depression in the late 1920s and early 1930s. The recovery from that financial disaster was long and protracted, and it wasn't until a few years ago that the trajectory of that recovery took a sudden turn for the better and, since that time, has seen a remarkable transition to an economy that in stunningly short time has become the envy of the world. Now, there's no way I'm going to get involved in the politically charged debate about the reasons for this happening. This is hardly the place for it. But the simple fact is that we are, at this moment, enjoying one of the biggest booms in American history, regardless of why. And that's what's led me to talk about preparing for a recession. Just how long this financial boom is going to last, no one knows. There are so many possible events that could trigger a downturn. It's almost like the Sword of Damocles waiting in huddled anticipation for the moment we reach the top and start down the other side for yet another business cycle. While my personal opinion may be that all the rational indicators point to a continuation of this happy circumstance, I can cite Murphy's Law as a reasonable justification for being wary. So, let's talk about what to do to prepare for a lightning strike. The first and most obvious step must be to immediately analyze your business expenses and seek places where you can cut them as much as possible without impacting your operation. Certainly, you can't cut your operating expenses because such expenses, which are related to the things you market and sell, can only decline with a decline in sales. But you can take a hard look at your fixed expenses and see where you can cut them, your goal is to find ways to pump up your cash flow while still covering the cost of things you need to do to make money. Perhaps you have insurance policies that you pay for three years in advance. You can cut them to one year at a time. You may have to pay a trifle more because there may be a financial benefit in a longer term, but you won't have to shell out so much at one time and the cash you can save can be put into a reserve account. How about your lease? Might you be able to negotiate a reduction in rent over a short term? Anything, again, you can save, can go right into that reserve. You should consider contributions to that reserve as an insurance policy. As with life or health insurance, you hope you won't have a need for it, but you're happy as hell if the problem does arise. You might need to look at your payroll expenses. Again, if they're related to production, and therefore expenses that rise or fall with production and sales, you can't do much about them. However, if you can find places where you can increase productivity and perhaps reduce your payroll by attrition, that is not hire someone to replace another who is retiring or leaving, you can save substantial funds by reducing your payroll. While I think it's important to always pay yourself at least as much as anyone else who you might hire to do the actual work you do, whether it's in an executive position or staff function, it might be a good idea to tighten your belt and see if you can get by on less. The sooner you do this, the sooner you'll be able to start feeding that reserve and perhaps when the fan gets hit, be able to continue without any additional belt tightening or without having to lay off loyal employees. That's one of the most important considerations, by the way, when it comes to hard times. Those companies who find the means of retaining their employees instead of downsizing them are far better able to compete in a down economy and to recover when things turn up once again. So the core principle of preparing for hard times is to start as soon as possible and find ways to build your reserve and do the other things you wish you'd done if or when it happens. There are only two ways you can increase your profits. One is to cut costs, and the other is to increase income. So far, we've talked only about the ways you can work at the former. Working at reducing costs, however, can produce only limited results. You can cut costs only so much before exceeding the point of diminishing returns. Let's face it, it costs money to be in business and there's only so much that working smarter can produce productivity improvements to feed your reserve. So let's now talk about the other side, increasing your income. Where there's a limit on your ability to cut costs, there's virtually no cap on how much you can bring in if you're attuned to the opportunities. You can always find new products or services and you can always find new markets. The best market for new products are your existing customers. So come up with new and different things that they might be interested in. The best place to look for those is in your business model canvas if you worked with one as you created your business. If you didn't, you can go through the same process we suggested, green light brainstorming to consider items or services that are related to the goods and services they already purchase. The same goes for your market. Consider your existing market for your products or services and consider a new age group, a new geographical location, adding a men's line to a ladies' line, or any other place where you can expand your market. Then, market the hell out of your new lines to your new markets. Marketing is going to be the key to increasing the dollars you bring into your business, and you're going to probably have to add some funds to the cost of doing it. No matter what, if you know how to market using social media, using good SEO and working your keywords and pay-per-clicks, you can actually create a consistent ratio between dollars spent and new income. And if you don't know how to do it, then it'll pay you to either hire someone who can or find yourself a good agency that can do it for you. In a recession, this is critical. Why? Because a recession can benefit a strong company and kill a weak one. By making your balance sheet strong and secure, reducing your expenses as much as possible, and building a reserve to help carry you through the tough times, And by adding significantly to your income in good times, when people are willing to spend money, you'll have a tailwind to help you sail through the bad times. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back in just a minute. Did you know that you have access to a personal mentor to help you with your business issues? Whether you're starting a new business or trying to improve the way an existing business runs, you'll find them at SCORE.org. This is the website for SCORE, the Service Corps of Retired Executives. It's an arm of the U.S. Small Business Administration and consists of thousands of volunteers in more than 300 cities across the United States. And the best part is that their services are offered at no cost to you. At SCORE.org, you can enter your zip code and find a list of local mentors, each showing his or her areas of expertise. And you can schedule your own appointment at a convenient time and location. SCORE also offers a variety of regular workshops presented by professionals in their fields. You can see a current schedule of those events and pre-register on the spot. Some general classes are offered free of charge, while others have a modest fee, which is usually discounted for pre-registration. Check it out. SCORE is the place to go to find someone whose experience may be just what you need. As an intelligent investor, I always look for companies that increase their R&D, their research and development, and their advertising budgets during recessions. Why? For the same reasons I just talked about. Because those are times that separate the weak from the strong, and those that prepared for the problems and aggressively marketed their way to strong income were the survivors, taking market share away from those who had not done so and wouldn't have the staying power to keep them in business. Again, the trick is to do everything you can possibly do as much in advance as possible. The changes you make in your organization, while not seeming as urgent in good times, will benefit your company even during those good times. You can always benefit by becoming as efficient as possible. That's not something that's just a band-aid for financial boo-boo. Likewise, increasing your profitability by growing your markets isn't either. Pursuing this course will give you even more pleasure out of running your business if you set a goal and work toward it. If you decide that you're going to dedicate a certain percentage of your profits to your reserve, you might very well decide that your goal is to set that percentage over and above your current profit, so that instead of cutting your expenses till you hurt, you'll wind up simply taking the extra that you bring in and plugging it into your reserve, that way you won't even notice it. Of course, when you get to that point, and you'll find out how easy it is to get there, you might decide to reset your goal and do it again. Gee, what a shame. Now your business is more profitable than you ever thought it would be. Why? Well, because fear is always a better incentive than desire, and your initial motivation was to ward off the dismal prospects of a recession. There are some other possibilities as well that are a little more radical than the devices I've talked about already in this podcast. In the corporate world, one of the ways that companies increase their earnings and reduce their costs is with mergers and acquisitions. If a company is in a position of strength and can find another, usually in the same or similar industry, if it's weak enough, it can negotiate to take over the company that's in poorer shape. Well, that possibility is there even with a small business. The benefits are one, that you will reduce your competition, two, you can add the revenues of that acquisition to your top line. There's your increase in income you were looking for. Three, with economies of scale, you may very well be able to serve your customers a lot more efficiently because you already have the infrastructure and the operating procedures to do it with the workforce you already have. Of course, in this age of intellectual property and digital products and services, you may well be able to increase productivity exponentially. And four, Whatever it was that made that company the prey and yours the predator may well enable you to turn that operation around and radically improve its operation. Wait a minute. If I'm working my butt off just to put enough money aside to prepare me for the worst, where the hell am I going to get the funds to finance that acquisition? How am I going to get the person who's in my shoes in the other company to agree to do the deal? Well, there are several ways for a small business to do that. The easiest way to accomplish such a merger is to establish a trust and a good rapport with the other owner and work out some kind of a partnership with him or her in which you are the surviving CEO. If he's suffering enough, and if he's eager to have someone else remove the obligation from his shoulders and take responsibility for the success of the company and still have a part in it, that can be very appealing. This is where your sales ability, your ability to convey to your prospect, or in this case, your potential colleague, the value they would realize in accepting such a proposition. This will take a combination of confidence and humility. You want that person to look at you as someone who's more successful than he is, or else you wouldn't be negotiating the deal, but at the same time eager to share the financial benefits of such a merger of interests. You want to share with him the relief you can both feel from taking the pressure off, and you're just the one who can do it. Of course, this is not an option if it's someone you can't respect or who you don't feel you can be comfortable working with. In that case, it's a case of buying him or her out. So, okay, where do you get the funds for this play? Well, this is nothing you're not already prepared for. There are financial institutions that are specialists in M&A, mergers and acquisitions. Most of those are large investment banks who have departments that are dedicated just to those activities. But for a small business, your best bet is to simply do what you did before you started your own business. You know what that is. Write a mission statement for the new business. Now taking account of the changes the acquisition will impose on your business. Again, now who are you? Is your name for the company going to survive the change? Or are you going to come up with a new one? What do you do? Probably pretty much the same. How will you do it? Well, you're going to want to emphasize the increase in your income and the changes you make to your bottom line because of the economies of scale and increases in productivity, and so on. Then, before you do the deal, you better do your feasibility study and due diligence. You now have the data from both your business and the other. You've got your financials and those from the other company. So you can combine those data and see how it plays out. And you can set your goals to make sure that your new goals will be met. When you're satisfied that it's going to be good for both of you, then it's time to prepare a new business plan and take that to your lender. By now, you should have created a good relationship with that institution and they will be ready to finance your plan to take it to a new level. In any case, do what it takes to make your company strong. Whether there's a recession or not, it shouldn't hurt. Worst case, your company will glide through a recession with little pain. And best case, you'll have a bunch more money to retire with.